We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode number 70. Today on the show, I have Neil Salons. He is the pre- and post-game announcer for the Rays Radio Network. So we talked about the upcoming series between the Rays and Yankees in the Bronx this weekend. The Rays actually just got a crazy win in Fenway on Thursday. They came back against David Price. So they're riding high right now. And as you know, the Yankees are not playing so hot. So this should be an interesting weekend series. We talked about that, plus a lot more. Uh, Joe Madden and and when he left the Rays, how that affected the organization. We also talked about how they need a new stadium and what the status is of that in Tampa. It's a great interview. Uh, he was nice enough to do it after that marathon game that just happened on Thursday. But before we get to that interview, as you guys know, I've been giving everyone a little history lesson at the beginning of each show. Today is episode number 70, so that goes to George Contos who is the only player in Yankees history to wear number 70, and he did so in 2011. And not only is the only player in Yankees history to wear number 70, he's the only player in baseball history to wear number 70 on two separate teams. So he stuck with it when he got traded. He got traded to the Giants before the 2012 season for Chris Stewart, who was the Yankees' backup catcher to Russell Martin. And uh, if we're being honest, the Yankees lost out in that trade, because Contos has actually turned into a pretty decent reliever. He's got a 2.95 ERA over his career, 
since 2012, and that's 250 innings for him in the books. So he's actually turned out to be pretty decent for the Giants, and Chris Stewart wasn't really much to write home about for the Yankees, and, and the Yankees moved on from him and Russell Martin after that season. On to bigger and better things. Now we got Brian McCann, and hopefully Gary Sanchez, the Kraken, will be up soon. And before I get to the interview with Neil, I just watched the Yankees get swept by Oakland, an ugly loss, another ugly loss. This has been one of the worst weeks in recent Yankee history. They can't hit, they can't field, bad base running, poor defensive plays, poor poor fundamentals. It's just, it's just the works out of this Yankees team right now. Uh, they look to get back at it against Tampa tomorrow. On Sunday, Scott and I are going to record our normal episode. It'll be live on Monday. We're going to break down everything that's happened over the last week. So definitely uh, check that out on Monday morning. But for now, enjoy this interview previewing the Yankees and Rays series. Okay, joining me on the podcast now is Neil Salons. You can find him on Twitter at Neil Salons. He is the pre and post game for the Rays Radio Network. So Neil, how's it going? Thanks for joining me. Good. How are you? Thanks for a few minutes. So you are the uh, pre and post game for the Rays Radio. Yeah, pre and post game host for the Rays Radio Network. Yes. Excellent. Um, how long have you been doing that? This is my fifth year uh, with the Rays, and then before that, I spent eight years as the play-by-play voice in Durham with their AAA affiliate. Oh, the Durham Bulls. Yes. <laughs> Made famous from uh, Bull Durham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, most people don't even know. Uh, you know, it's amazing how many people don't haven't even seen the movie now. You know, you forget how old the movie is now. You know, it's you funny. Know, it's like a totally new generation. Yeah, it's funny. I did a, a baseball movie March Madness bracket, and I'm 28 years old, so it's not like I'm I'm old by any means. But some of some of the people on Twitter are so young they haven't seen Field of Dreams or Bull Durham, and I'm just scratching my head. How is that possible? Yeah, when we have interns that start here, I usually ask them which baseball movies they've seen, and I do have a few that I recommend if they have the opportunity to watch them. So, man, a wild game the Rays just finished at Fenway today. I was watching, I was following uh, that game online, and they, they really took it to David Price after falling behind big. I, I thought it was probably, I mean, it's look, it's 15 games into the year, but it's um, a very good character win for the group. I mean, they scored a run in the first off, David. Uh, they gave up five in the bottom half. Uh, Diego Rizzi threw 37 pitches in the first inning after the race, gave up three in the first the previous day, and lost 7-3. So their bullpen was a bit beat up from that. Um, and then to find a way to win a four-hour, 16-minute marathon, come back against Price, blow an 8-5 lead, and then go on to win 12-8, I think says a lot about the character of the group um, and just about their fight and, and will this early in the year. I mean, they've also had three eighth-inning comeback wins and an extra-inning win. So of their seven victories, five have come in the fashion that you like to see, that, that you know a team has the belief that it can find a way to do something in the late innings regardless of the situation. Yeah, you mentioned sort of a character win, and it's these games early in the season that can really say a lot about the season to come. So so you think, you know, the, the Rays' offense has been up and down so far this year. Um, I believe they're still under 500 after today's win or just at 500. So you think this could be a, a real turning point in the season for them? I don't know if I'd call it a turning point, but just a, a good character win. I mean, they won four out of five after a three and seven beginning. I mean, 
the numbers they put up offensively were their season highs and hits and runs. And look, they had scored just 40 runs in the first 14 games. The scheduling was kind of odd with some days off. You know, they ran into Chris Sale, Jose Quintana, the best pitchers for Cleveland, and Kluber Salazar and uh, and Carlos Carrasco. So, you know, they, they ran into some good arms, but, you know, they've also beaten some good arms along the way. And, and I think, again, the comeback against David Price, um, I think, says something about uh, about the group. And, um, and I think hopefully it allows them to relax offensively. They have a number of new players that were not here a year ago. I think some of them were pressing and trying to do too much. And hopefully this allows some guys to settle in a little bit. Certainly. So big two out of three series win for the Red Sox before they come into the Bronx to face the Yankees. The Yankees are playing tonight, trying to avoid a sweep against Oakland. Their offense is struggling so bad right now. As I'm sure you know, they can't hit with runners in scoring position. But, you know, I see uh, Moore is pitching. Matt Moore is pitching on Friday. He's a lefty. He's had a good uh, career versus the Yankees, and the Yankees struggle so much against lefties. So it's not going to get easier for the Yankees. But what have you seen from Moore so far? I know this is his first 100% full season back from Tommy John surgery. So how has he looked so far? I think Matt has looked probably, you know, as good as he as he's been since he came up and, and faced the Yankees in 2011, which pitched the playoffs against Texas. Um, I mean, he's different. He's matured. He doesn't throw as hard as he did then. I mean, you're going to see more fastballs around 93, 94 miles an hour than 95, 96. But he's more of a strike thrower, and he has a better idea as to what he's doing. He still has late life on his fastball. Uh, you know, who knows what that means in terms of the start against New York. You know, but at least to this point of the year, um, I just like the way the ball's coming out of his hand. Um, and he seems very, you know, poised, in control. Um, you know, Yankee Stadium can be a very tough place to pitch, though. You know, despite the issues that the Yankees have had, it's a great home run hitter's park. Um, you don't have to hit the ball that well to get the ball out, um, and you got to be on your. You have to really be sharp. So you'll see if Matt carried over what he did against Chicago on Sunday, where he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier some of the new guys um, for Tampa that you know maybe we're we're trying to do too much. Uh, one of the guys that's been there forever, Evan Longoria. You, you just think of him as a, as the face of the Rays. Um, my question is sort of, he's seemed to decline the last few years. Not that he's a bad player, but he's certainly not the player he was when he was, you know, in MVP contention a few years ago. So, so what do you attribute that decline to? And, um, do you think, you know, this year is going to continue to decline or, or is he going to have a good year this year? I, you know, I mean, he's also a good start and I think that's promising. I think the one thing that has been a positive ball, his numbers have come down, is that he's been able to stay healthy and you know, sometimes he plays through a lot of stuff that most people don't realize, and he's missed a handful of games total in the last three years. So he's at least been a guy who's been in the lineup every single day. Um, and I think that means a lot uh, to this group, because as a smaller market team, you need your best players to be there every day. Um, and I think last year, while he, you know, he, he was, I thought, even though his, his RBI numbers were still down a little bit, I thought his overall season was better than the year prior. Um, and I think that he's gotten off to a good start. He seems more relaxed this year. You know, you mentioned being the face of the franchise. And you know, Chris Archer is off to a tough start. And Kevin Kiermeyer have kind of become, um, I would say, maybe not leaders, uh, but there are more guys who share roles on this team. And I think Evan doesn't feel the pressure to be 
the guy, that there are other guys in the group. And I think that's going to allow him to have a better season offensively. I think his defense is, is still of a gold-glove caliber. It's just there's so many good guys who now play defensively at third base in this league. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Archer and Kiermaier. Kiermaier is one of my favorite players to watch, especially defensively. I mean, the guy gets to everything. I think his saber metrics are some of the best that's ever been recorded. Um, so are, are fans down in Tampa starting to get behind Kiermaier a little bit more? Uh, I think more than getting behind. I mean, there are a lot of fans who would like to see him move up in the order, and, and I think the Rays have done the smart thing by keeping him down at the number eight spot against right-handed pitching and usually lefties as well. I think he's going to evolve into a more complete player offensively to go along with, as you mentioned, you know, uh, one of the better defensive players, at least last year in the history of the game. I think over time he's going to be just one of the better defensive players uh, in the American League and in the major leagues, period, um, once he puts a few seasons similar to that under his belt. Um, I, I think that he can disrupt the game in a number of ways because he has terrific speed um, in the game. Today, you know, he was able to come up with a, a hustle double that started the three-run ninth that gave the race cushion in their 12-8 win. Um, and I think as he evolves as a hitter, he's going to be able to also help the race turn the lineup over and, and get the guys near the top of the order to get some more RTI chances. Yeah, it's important to have those guys towards the bottom of the order, uh, especially for a team like Tampa, uh, who who's going to probably need to scratch and claw a lot of wins out this year and, and give that pitching staff just a little bit. You figure that offense can give the pitching staff a few runs to work with, and you're going to win a lot of games that way. Um, so, you know, so uh, you know, talking about the face of the franchise, one thing that I I found interesting, you know, Joe Madden when he was in Tampa for 2006 on. He kind of also became a face of the franchise. And I mean, he's such an energetic manager. He did a lot of crazy things, you know, bringing in zoo animals into the clubhouse or whatever. And we've seen him do that in in Chicago. But do you think that the franchise sort of suffered when he left in 2014? I don't know if suffered is the right word. You know, I, I thought it was almost time, you know, having been with the organization in some way, shape, or form since 2004, you know, I kind of thought that. Maybe, you know, it was good for Joe to get a, a new challenge and see if this would work in a in a big market environment. Um, and I think at the same time, the players were almost looking for, um, you know, a, a different, maybe maybe not a different message, but a different way of having the message sent. And I think Kevin Cash, being a really young, uh, vibrant individual who played at the big league level for seven years, has been part of teams that have have you know won World Series or been in World Series? You know, I think I think he was a good guy to have with this organization, and I think Kevin fits in very well. Um, he buys into a lot of the same philosophies that Joe had, but I think he's his own person, and I think he's you know you saw after a down year in 2013, the Rays had a lot of injuries last year or 2014 rather. Um, they had a lot of injuries last year and still found a way almost to get to 500. And I think the goal now is hopefully to stay healthy and be in contention with what I think is a very balanced division and a balanced league overall. Yeah, Cash is is very young, right? He's one of the youngest managers in the game. He is the youngest manager right now in baseball and um, one of the youngest either managers or head coaches in the four major sports. Last year he was the youngest of the of all four. So, um, you know, he, he's moved into a role quickly, but they also had a lot of continuity in the organization. 
Tom Foley, who was their third base coach for many years, became the bench coach. His pitching coach, Jim Hickey, his hitting coach, Derek Shelton, are still the same. So a lot of the same coaches were in place, and a lot of the guys that he brought in were also guys from within the organization. Charlie Montoya was the third base coach. He managed for many years successfully in, in AAA and had been in the race system for nearly two decades. And Rocco Baldelli was a player and in player development before he became the first base coach. So they've got, I think, a really good coaching staff to go along with Kevin. Uh, and I think there's a pretty good trust among the group. Yeah, you mentioned Baldelli. I'm actually originally from Rhode Island, which is where Baldelli is from. And, mm-hmm. you know, since Rhode Island's such a small state, anybody who makes it to the big leagues out of there is going to get a lot of fame within the state. Uh, I always loved watching Baldelli. He just could not stay healthy. It was a shame because he was damn talented. He was very talented, and he's also probably as good a person as he as he is talent, you know, from a baseball standpoint. And I think, you know, he's able to, because he's still very young, you know, along with Kevin, I think he resonates with the young player. Um, I think he's been a guy who can help mentor a guy like Kevin Kiermeyer and have an impact on him because, if you remember when Rocco came up, maybe he wasn't the same type of player as, as Kevin was, but he did play with that um, aggressive recklessness yep. um, that is a really good positive and energy for a team. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, I, I think there's still t- uh, TBD on a starter for Saturday, right? The Rays are? Yeah, I would say now TBA more than TBD. Or TB, I'm sorry, it would have been QB announced, but now I think really it's to be determined. I think had this game not been as it was for Saturday, you probably would have seen Erasmo Ramirez start. But because of the wildness of this game, Erasmo ended up getting four outs. Um, it's still possible he could start on Saturday, but I think they may look at whether they want to make a move and call up one of their pitchers from the AAA level um, and and have someone start in that spot start because then they're going to get a, a day off not too long after. Uh, so there, they, this is really a spot start in the rotation. Yeah, we're starting to get into that point of the season where off days are at a premium, and you're going to see a lot of guys coming up. That's the way of baseball now. It's these, these games, these bullpens are used so much, and, and you know there's going to be a lot of guys that come up from the minors. The Yankees have been using – a lot, you know, the Scranton shuttle bringing guys into the bullpen out of that last spot. So, so it looks like the Rays are going to be doing something similar. Um, well, you know, part part of that, just just so just so your audience knows, the Rays have kind of a unique schedule early in the season. They have four off days in April and have four in May. So they have eight off days in the first forty-seven days of the year. Arasno would have been the Rays' fifth starter, and probably will once they get through this forty-seven day stretch. But Brad Boxberger, the closer. You're still coming back from uh, core muscle surgery. So the race thought the best way to utilize Erasmo was to start him in the bullpen, where he's very versatile and very durable, um, and then kind of pick and choose who they use as a fifth starter, but stretch him out to be a fifth starter again at the end of that period so he would slot back into the rotation. So it's it's kind of been a, a odd schedule and the Boxberger injury that's kind of caused some of the shuffling the race had to do. Interesting. Got it. So... You know, final question before we get out of here. The Rays, there's a lot of talk that they're going to be getting a new stadium, and I think they would benefit greatly because Tropicana Field, let's face it, is probably the worst stadium in the league. And, you know, a franchise that has been good for for a number of years now, you know, since, you know, made the playoffs a bunch recently and made it to the World Series, they deserve a better stadium. So what's the status of that down in Tampa? 
Well, you know, I, I think here in Tampa Bay, I think that one of the bigger issues that the Rays have had is just strictly, um, you know, if, if you've been in the ballpark, I think most people who come to this ballpark kind of feel that it, it gets probably more of a bad rap than it should. Um, and I think that, you know, I think that finding a stadium that is kind of the best fit and location for the market is probably the biggest thing. I mean, the Rays have been able to get um, top third TV and radio ratings for the last several years. So they've gotten fans to uh, watch and listen. The biggest thing is they don't have the same history and generation to generational fan base that a lot of other organizations have. You know, remember that you had new ownership take over a decade ago. Um, and that was before they went from being the Devil Rays to the Rays. So either way, you still haven't had um, kids who've grown up in this market who've had kids. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. I think when you get to that point, I think you're going to see the fan base grow. And the other, the other big matter with, um, with growing the, 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 the attendance at the ballpark is the Rays, I think, are the only franchise where less than half of their attendance comes within um, a 30-minute drive to the ballpark. I think for most markets, it, it's above 50%. And the Rays have been in that 30% area. So um, I think those are probably two areas that, you know, once you have a stadium in the right location, you're going to see improvements. But I think also as the fan base grows and matures, you're going to see the numbers grow. Yeah, and, and they're, they're, you know, they have a lot of transplants down in Florida who may be uh-huh. fans of other teams to begin with. So you got that to deal with. And the Yankees spring training home is in Tampa. I was in Tampa this this uh, spring for spring training for the first time, actually. And, and and you know, I was around the ballpark, so that's maybe why it felt like a Yankees city. But Tampa almost felt like, like, like a Yankees town more than a Rays town to me. I think it may feel that way for some in spring training. But if you come to, let's say, a Rays-Yankee uh, game in, at, at uh, Steinbrenner Field or Legend Stadium, you're gonna you're gonna see probably maybe half of the people are coming from are wearing Rays gear, and that goes for when the Rays play in Sarasota against the Orioles, when they play in Clearwater against the Phillies, when they play in Dunedin against the Blue Jays. So that wasn't the case a decade ago, and that's where I really think that the market is changing a great deal. Um, and, and I think again the, the consistent ratings on TV and radio show that, um, and I think. You know, it's going to take some time, but once they get the stadium situation resolved, and, and I think, you know, hopefully they're able to do that in the next, you know, one to two years, hopefully, um, if they're able to do that and then start to really move forward. Um, the commitment is to be here in Tampa Bay for the long term, um, and I think as, as long as that gets resolved fairly soon, I think you're going to start to see things continue to progress in the right direction. Yeah. So, uh, so final thing before before I let you go, I think I saw in your bio that you went to Rutgers, correct? I did. I am. A, I am a Scarlet Knight through and through. Are you from that area originally? I grew up in New Jersey, so you know, obviously, I keep close tabs on the New York teams, and uh, you know, whether it's uh, my fair share of reading online. So, I, I definitely keep up on it. Uh, I keep up on my alma mater. Um, it's a beauty of, uh, of of the way the world works today. Uh, Twenty years ago, it probably would have been hard to keep up with everything, but today, with Twitter and and the internet and blogs and, and, and podcasts and what have you, it makes it very easy to stay uh, in tune and up to date. 
I, I definitely agree. So, so even though maybe you're definitely a Rays fan through and through now, maybe you had a little Yankee blood in you to begin with, right? I was what? You maybe maybe you had a little bit of Yankees fandom in you from from a, a child. Uh, I don't know quite about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know quite about that. Um, you know, I've worked for a few. I, I think I, the organization I work for is the one I root for, and it's a very the Rays are a really easy organization to root for. Um, they have great people. They treat their employees the right way. I think they do things with, you know, a lot of class in terms of all their community involvement. And and I think the players that they have have a tremendous amount of energy, respect for the game. Um, it's an easy, whether you were born a Rays fan or you came to this market, you know, once I started working for the Durham Bulls, the 2004 is very easy to root for the Rays. And there have been many, many great stories over the years. And I think there's still a lot to come, and I'm anxious to see the way this season plays out. Great. Well, Neil, thank you so much for doing this. Again, at Neil Salons on Twitter. He's the pre and post for the uh, Rays Radio, so check him out on Twitter. And again, thank you very much for doing this. You got it. Thanks for, uh, for having me on. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.